0: The U.S. Supreme Court announced it will hear arguments on the biggest pro-life case in decades on December 1st. Meanwhile, the Texas pro-life legislation is still making waves nationwide, prompting our own attorney general here in Virginia to join a fight against it. What does it all mean for the Commonwealth? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, it's back to school time, and for your family, Victoria, that involves a lot of sports, right?
1: Yeah, it does. In fact, you know, um, right now it's a lot of volleyball games, and I I laugh because my daughter's team likes to keep losing the first two sets and it's the best out of five. So then we go three more and they end up pulling it out. But I'm telling you, the volleyball game takes the same length as my boys who play baseball. That's not supposed <laughs> to
0: be the way that game works. Well, at least it's not boring. There's no, some it's, drama.
1: It's a lot more, um, it moves a lot faster than baseball. So it is actually really fun to watch, but it requires more participation by the fans. You're on these bleachers. So it's actually an exhausting experience, <laughs> um, much more so than just relaxing outside by a baseball field. So anyway, It's been a very uh, participant-heavy sort of sports season right now.
0: And of course, as mom, you are a little more invested emotionally, so that may be one reason it's not a relaxing experience. Yes, and last
1: night I had to keep book for the volleyball team for the first time, and I thought that was just like a score on one side. No, no, this is a complicated process, so I'm learning a little bit, too.
0: Well, you know, just to dive into our topic today, it's interesting that on the heels of the Virginia March for Life that we had just a few days ago abortion, the issue of abortion has continued to be this huge issue that's resonating across our country. And it's actually turning out to be a pretty big influence, bigger than expected in the upcoming elections here in Virginia. So I think we've got a lot to cover today on that front. Uh, Just to get us started, let's talk a little bit about what's happening at the Supreme Court level on this.
1: Yeah, well, the Supreme Court just announced its upcoming schedule, and they have oral arguments on the biggest pro-life case really we've seen in decades scheduled to be heard on December 1st. So we're gearing up. This case, just to kind of give you a refresher, this case that we're gearing up for is called Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. And it is a health organization, so to speak, and uh, it is a, a, a case that involves a Mississippi law that the state put into place a restriction that you can't have abortions after 15 weeks. Now, this is a big deal because it's really one of the first cases that is going to go to the heart of Roe versus Wade, and it's really going to question this fictional right that Roe put into place about is there a right to abortion, which we all know is not in the Constitution. And it's going to kind of follow on with the Casey versus uh, the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case, which prevents states from restricting abortion after viability. Because as we know, 15 weeks is is well before we can actually save a baby if they're actually born. And so that's the, that's way below that viability standard. So it's a big deal.
0: Now, when you say it restricts abortions after 15 weeks, it's, it does have some exceptions for like an emergency health situation. Is that right? Yeah, like, but it's
1: basically a full on ban without with those rare occasions where it would come into play that you could actually have one.
0: So, if everybody remembers what a big deal it was with the nomination of uh, Amy Coney Barrett, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, a lot of people travel down in buses. Do you think we're going to see that kind of situation? with people at the steps of the Supreme Court on December 1st. I
1: have already penciled it in. It is going to be a a nuts day outside the Supreme Court. You're going to have pro-lifers there out in un, unparalleled masses I suspect, and you will have pro-choice folks that are, you know, and it, and then it will be um it will be loud, it will be contentious. I hope that everybody will get along. We hope both sides are always Maybe they're passionate but not, you know, yeah, you had <laughs> combative, has, but I've seen all things in front of this. You saw court.
0: hazmat suits like uh, protesters and hazmat suits last yeah, night. Yeah, so with
1: Amy Coney Barrett, it was um there was a lot of um strange displays when that when we were up there for that nomination.
0: Well, we know there will be a lot of Virginians there that day because it does impact our state specifically. So let's talk about that a minute. If Roe v. Wade, the precedent of Roe v. Wade is actually overturned, what happens in our state?
1: Well, people need to remember. Some people kind of get it a little bit backwards in their head, and they think if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then all of a sudden you can't have abortion in the country. That's not actually true. What it's doing is it's returning that issue To the states. So state law becomes incredibly important. And actually, there are states, for example, that have what they call trigger laws. So in some states, the moment Roe is overturned, they're actually going to immediately already have on the books a ban on abortion. Oklahoma, South Dakota, there's about nine of them or so. Um, Virginia, unfortunately, is not one of those. And so um, for us, it simply means that those battles over the abortion issue will just be very, very hot.
0: And we have leaders in the state trying to go the other direction of those trigger laws. I mean, we yeah. do.
1: we've had already introduced a constitutional amendment on abortion. And so, if Roe got overturned, those those efforts would really intensify to have a right to abortion enshrined into our state constitution, which would be devastating. Of That's course.
0: what that what's been introduced would do that. Yes, is, it's already it's been, been trying, introduced.
1: Okay. It didn't pass the first time, but I suspect if Roe got overturned. They could sort of double their efforts, and it would be a difficult battle.
0: All right. Well, if if the precedent remains in place, if Justice Roberts kind of is able to do something a little wishy-washy again, <laughs> um, what, what, what would our step be as pro-lifers at that point? Um,
1: well, we— I mean, we have to keep working. There is a possibility there's an in-between. So, you know, in most cases you think of as you either get what you want or, you know, it's it's totally the opposite direction. In this case, you could get a situation where the Supreme Court, all abortion can't be ruled out. Like, it's not as strong as the heartbeat, but something replaces that viability standard. I don't really know how you come up with something between viability and heartbeat that's at 15. I, you know, it, they could do a halfway decision, and Roberts kind of likes to do these um, he seems to be afraid. I, honestly, I look at it and I think it's, it's almost feels like fear. He did, seems to be afraid of the court overturning these big precedents, even when I bet you he knows that there is absolutely no right to abortion found in our Constitution and knows that was bad law.
0: Yeah. Well, so either way, we will have a lot of work to do as pro-lifers and need to, to really stay alert on what our next steps are. So be in prayer for that. Um Now, the other thing that's really been at the top of the news is this new Texas heartbeat law, which just went into effect September 1st. And that's been really interesting. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, it's um, Texas did something really interesting. I I didn't see this coming, but they 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 didn't just pass a law that says we're going to ban abortion at the heartbeat. And if you know if the government finds out that there's an, somebody having an abortion, they can come in and criminalize that that woman or the doctor. That's a normal kind of pro life legislative effort. What they did was actually very interesting and creative. And they said we're going to ban abortion at the point of a heartbeat. So the doctor has to do an ultrasound. And if anyone assists a woman in getting an abortion after that heartbeat is present, there's actually civil liabilities that would come against anybody that was part of that process. So again, we're not criminalizing the woman. We're not criminalizing the doctor. But there's huge financial fines if you're the person that drives this woman to the abortion center, if you're the person that is at the front desk and sets up her appointment. And so it's a real disincentive to violate the law
0: individually, which is a very interesting approach. Which is interesting because you're still protecting the woman and the baby because you can't go after the woman in this, right? Like, yeah,
1: the woman is not the criminal, but it is the case that everybody around her that's helping her violate the law is is part of that, and they do face penalties.
0: Well, as we know, the Supreme Court declined to halt that law like pro-abortion people are trying to get them to do. Uh, so what's been interesting is watching everybody's reaction in the aftermath of the Supreme Court declining to put a hold on that law. And so it's moved forward. It's in effect. And I would say it's just kind of revealed everybody's true colors with their reaction. First of all, you had the Biden administration responding by saying what you were talking about, that they're going to codify or enshrine Roe v. Wade into law. Let's just hear for a second Jen Psaki explaining that.
1: Our focus and the President's focus is uh, to reiterate our deep commitment to the uh, constitutional right, of course, established by Roe v. Wade nearly five decades ago, and to continue to call for the codification of Roe, something that the President talked about on the campaign trail, the Vice President talked about on the campaign trail, and this highlights even further the need to move forward on that effort. Yeah. I mean, now they're, they're saying we're going to have a federal law, not even state laws that ban abortion, but they're going to try to codify it at the federal level. And it's basically the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, which I hate the wording they come up with. If you really want to protect women, how about the women who will eventually be women who are now little unborn girls in the womb? But all that to say, that's what they're planning to do. And it's even going to go to the point of it's going to override all these other things, including creating abortions through telemedicine, for instance, where you don't even have to see a doctor in person.
0: Yeah, this is kind of a random thought, but you hear all this outrage from liberals on women in Afghanistan now being oppressed and erased, and yet there's just silence at the federal level, you know, all the way up to the federal level of women (laughs) having their lives taken in the womb um, of that kind of disempowerment. So it is a real disconnect.
1: There have even been states that try to Um, ban abortion if the the reason is because someone doesn't want a girl. Literally, if someone's making a sex-based decision for their abortion, there have even been states trying to go after that. And pro-abortion folks actually resist those as if they're fine with people saying, nah, we want a boy instead of a girl. It flies in the face of all feminism.
0: It does. Well, not only do you have the Biden administration trying to attack the Texas law, but you have our own leaders right here in Virginia saying they're getting involved. Attorney General Herring for instance, has been joining the battle with, in fact, well, let me say he's leading other attorneys in fighting state restrictions on abortion. And he just joined another brief in support of the U.S. Department of Justice, which is trying to halt the Texas heartbeat law.
1: Yeah, I'm really over our attorney general trying to be the champion of left-wing causes nationally. You know, remember, this is the same attorney general that is still in process of trying to get the Equal Rights Amendment because that impacts abortion. And he's literally in lawsuits trying to bring that back. So he just feels like he needs to be this crusader for Planned Parenthood. And of course, we, we know Planned Parenthood funds those campaigns, has funded him as a candidate. And so he's he's just carrying their torch.
0: I think also when you combine these efforts at the federal level to try and override state efforts for states to be able to decide what their policy is based on who they're representing, elected state representatives deciding that, federal people trying to override that, you combine that with what Attorney General hearing is doing, um, I think it really reveals this extremism on the pro-abortion side of this where they don't actually believe in choice when it comes to having the freedom to decide policy. They want to compel Force support of abortion, and that includes forcing taxpayers to fund it as well. I would say.
1: Oh yeah, and we see that here in Virginia. We um, a lot of the focus of our of our March for Life was about the fact that there is now six million dollars flowing out of our tax dollars to the abortion industry fueling this and it's just when you think about how controversial this issue is how many people oppose abortion to think that we would absolutely just ignore those voices and say we're going to promote this and encourage this with our tax dollars it's really I mean it's really devastating to people
0: well this has been an ongoing conversation and I think at this point every single candidate Uh, In Virginia, for governor, for lieutenant governor, attorney general, I know they've all been asked at this point what their stance is on the Texas heartbeat bill. But in reality, Victoria, you have been explaining to people the chances of something like that passing here in Virginia are really slim.
1: Yeah, it's not that we at the Family Foundation wouldn't love to see something like that happen, but we have to be realistic. And so when they're drilling our candidates about Texas heartbeat law, and we right now are in a position where we've had all these basic pro-life laws pulled off the books, like making sure that at least a doctor is doing that surgery, making sure that a woman gets full informed consent. We have a long way to go before we can even think about passing a heartbeat bill. But it's not that we don't want to as the Family Foundation, but these candidates are getting drilled on this. But we do have to remember, every candidate could play a role in this, right? Your governor has to sign whatever bill or veto whatever bill comes from a liberal majority. And then we have to remember that our Senate is basically 50-50 on the life issue, and that's how they voted in the past, and that means that your lieutenant governor breaks that tie. So it's it's a fair question to ask their position on life, but to ask it about the, the Texas heartbeat bill instead of talking about, um, hey, Governor Northam said that it's okay for a child to be born alive, and then make a decision what do you think about that yeah. that's a that's present and active discussion here in virginia versus something that's going on in another state
0: right unfortunately in virginia we're at the opposite extreme we can't worry about heartbeats we have to be worrying about actually protecting the fence born alive on the table right i'm so. sad to
1: say that because we haven't always been that way but it is kind of devastating that I'm 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 sitting here looking at this thinking Gosh, we are dealing with late term abortion here in our Commonwealth, let alone, you know, when they start feeling pain and the heartbeat and all those earlier stages.
0: So real quick, uh, what can people do, uh, you know, leading up to the November elections? What would you say is the most important thing for them to be doing right now?
1: We need to pray. We need to pray for these candidates, that they make strong statements on life when they're asked, that they that they have the right heart for this and that those those candidates that have the heart are the ones that are elected. We need to act. We need to go vote. We have to actually not just think and pray about this. You got to do something. So this is our chance to have our voice heard at the ballot box.
0: And now, since we have early voting, make sure you get out there and vote now. We're already in voting season. Well, it's that time again, time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! All right, well, for today's Inconceivable, we're going to be talking about politicizing food, which might leave you feeling hungrier or more nauseated.
1: Yeah, it does seem like every part of our lives is being politicized, whether you like it or not. And I don't get why food companies have to follow down this rabbit hole. But at this point, we're talking about everything from your coffee to your cereal to your cookies having some kind of woke message. It's getting a little exhausting.
0: Yeah, let's just start with the Oreo brand, for instance, which announced in the summer it was partnering with a national LGBT group, and I kind of, I'm afraid I've maybe left off some letters there. But anyway, it's releasing a limited edition of Rainbow Oreos. Uh, their fillings featured five colors in the LGBT flag. And what I find interesting about all this is you couldn't actually get these cookies in stores. You could only get them through this special giveaway, which was done to quote, reward acts of allyship for the LGBTQ Q+ community which apparently means if you did something like put a post on social media that was pro-LGBTQ, you might be then rewarded through this giveaway. So I guess it kind of looks like we're trying to control speech through actually bribing people with cookies.
1: Yeah, this is very concerning because it, my kids will do almost anything for an Oreo. So that that bothers me tremendously. But it's not even like it stops there. This summer, we already had mentioned about how Kellogg's Pride cereal had featured kid-friendly pronoun lessons on the cereal box the kids are supposed to read while they're eating their breakfast in the morning.
0: And now it's other issues, not just the LGBTQ stuff invading our food. Ben and Jerry's ice cream, for instance, recently unveiled their new woke flavor. It's called Change is Brewing. Um, They said they did this in partnership with several groups, including something called the Movement for Black Lives, which I went to this website, and it describes itself as anti-capitalist. It says that, quote, prisons, police, and all other institutions that inflict violence on black people must be abolished, and then it goes on to say they need to be replaced with better, better institutions. Yeah,
1: well, I have to be honest. I'll, I'll just tell you, my husband, because Ben & Jerry's is so liberal, we've never eaten Ben & Jerry's in my house because they were leading on the LGBT thing, so they have to switch issues now. they got to find something new. But I will say the irony of Ben & Jerry's, a company who has thrived because of capitalism, going and partnering about anti-capital with some anti-capitalist group, it just doesn't make sense. But I also want to be clear that we want to see every person cared for properly by the police and treated with dignity. But can we please just have our ice cream and enjoy it without? some political agenda literally being forced down our throats?
0: Well, I have to say, since I'm from Texas, I might just stick to the good old-fashioned Bluebell, but don't tell me they don't have that here. Do they have Bluebell? They do.
1: It was temporarily. Do you remember? It got pulled off the shelf for a little bit, but it is back. I have checked. My (laughs) husband is a Bluebell guy, and so we have it in our house. A little expensive, but very good.
0: Hopefully they're not going woke, at least not yet. Well, I guess we have to give this week's Inconceivable Award to all the companies trying to force-feed us political agendas through our food. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up, Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.